Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I'd like to thank you for joining us today for part three in our series, Ways to Strengthen Catholic Marriages. And that means ways to strengthen your Catholic marriage. I'm particularly speaking today for those who might be going through a tough spot in their marriage, in their family life. We're going to talk about some very concrete ways that your marriage can be strengthened. And we're going to talk on the broader sense, what parishes can do, what lay people can do, what priests can do to help strengthen marriages. But before I launch into the topic, I'd just like to offer a dedication for today's show. I do it every now and then. And I'd like to dedicate this show to Cardinal Raymond Burke, who's a church leader that I've admired and respected for years. Okay, let's go. It's really obvious that marriage is under full-scale attack in our modern culture. And you know, this presents a golden opportunity for the Catholic Church to serve as a beacon for hope. Because as the world and the culture darkens, if you have a beacon shining brightly, it can be seen for miles and miles because it just radiates hope. And what's happening in our modern world, not only is marriage under attack, but every human being desires love in the deepest part of their being. And a normal way for people to express that love is through marriage and family life. And that is what is darkening. And so the Catholic Church has an opportunity right now. At our point in the culture, everything's looking dim, 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 but people are looking for love. They still want love. Although they think they don't want Jesus, they think they don't want the Catholic faith, they think they don't want Catholic teachings on sexual morality, but you know what? They really do because they want lasting love. And the church teaches that. The church is the beacon of hope for that. Now, I need to review just a little bit. I wasn't going to review too much in this series, but I, I need to go back to the very first way I recommended to strengthen a Catholic marriage, and that was through commitment. Modern marriage researchers have found that where there's a strong commitment to lifelong marriage, Catholics call that indissoluble marriage, no matter what the circumstances, we're in this together for life. And if it's a strong commitment, a couple will have the fuel they need to go through those tough spots in their relationship, that the marriage will have actually less conflicts and more investment of each other in making the marriage work. Now, in light of that, I'll just tell you about some very disastrous news I read this week in the Washington Times. They're proposing, some folks are proposing, an option to renew. Well, you know, there's options if you're renting an apartment and you have the option to renew it after a year or something like that. These folks are proposing an option to renew your marriage after five years. In other words, rather than saying in your vows, till death do us part, we pledge our love for five years. And then after five years, if it seems to be going kind of the way we expected, particularly the way we developed expectations through modern romantic movies and such. If it's going the way we expected, then we'll renew. But if not, that's it. We'll just walk away. We're not bound by any commitment. 
You know, I can't think of anything crazier and more dangerous to marriage. Because as I emphasized when we talked in that first part on ways to strengthen Catholic marriages, commitment is so necessary because precisely at five to seven years through a marriage, it seems to be it's a real danger spot. And if a couple can hold together for five years, even couples, majority of couples who would describe their marriage as very unhappy, if they have the commitment to hang together for five years, they describe their marriage as very happy. And so this proposal is like at the most vulnerable time a marriage could face is saying, well, let's decide at five years when we're really having some challenges. Maybe we have a first child or maybe we have a child for each arm to hold during the day and we're kind of at the end of our rope, so let's just call it quits. No, that's not a good idea. Uh, Commitment is so necessary. And when I read that article, I just had to come back and remind everyone that commitment Lifelong commitment, indissoluble marriage is at the very heart of holding marriages together. And this isn't just Catholic teaching. You'll find this also in the very latest of the latest of marital researchers' findings. So let's stick with commitment. Now, where do we go from here? All right, we're going to talk about communication. And I ended last week talking about PREP marital communication, P-R-E-P. And I mentioned a very striking finding. There is a research project done, co-financed by the government of Bavaria and the Catholic Church. And unlike most surveys of marital communication programs, this survey wasn't done after the class was completed. That's a very unreliable barometer of the effectiveness of any marriage communication program. What this special research did is surveyed couples five years into the marriage. You see, that's right up on the vulnerable years, five, six, seven years in there. Usually, it's a very tough time for many couples. And so what they did is studied couples after five years of marriage and various types of marital preparation, including pre-cana. And they found out that couples without this PrEP marital communication program, no matter if they had uh, pre-cana or whatever else was going on in Bavaria, including couples who had no preparation, but couples without PrEP had a 500% higher divorce rate after five years of marriage. 500%. So basically, they found that a weekend of prep marital communication training beat by an exceedingly large measure six months of pre-cana. Now, as I mentioned last time, I am not advocating ditching pre-cana in lieu of prep, but I am advocating incorporating prep within pre-cana. Wow. If there is one thing in this series individual groups could do, parishes could do, dioceses could do, uh, those who are in the family synod looking, what, what do we do about modern marriage? Well, believe me, 
making it easier to get an annulment is not going to help in a culture who has a weak commitment already in marriage because, in effect, you'll be weakening commitment because couples will say, well, yeah, it's kind of easy, even as a Catholic, to, to start over. Well, that's not the case. You need the strong commitment. So rather than saying, how can we make annulments easier, the real question should be, how can we make marriages stronger? How can we prevent divorces in the first place? And this is really where to start. This is where a huge potential difference could be made. And I'm not just, these aren't little, um, what should I say, a study done by the founders of uh, those who uh, develop PrEP communication. These are university studies. In fact, PrEP has about, last I counted, over 20 university studies validating its effectiveness. Now, I need to mention one thing that's really important that could torpedo everything you want to do with PrEP, okay? And it's this. A, women seem to like most types of marital communication programs, okay? B, this isn't the case with men. In fact, most men at least you get them in an honest moment, will say they find marital communication rather a challenge and that uh, they will go to any program offered because they basically love their wives and want to make them happy, even though they may hate a lot of what goes on in these programs. So you need to be real careful in designing your marital communication strategies First of all, to choose a program that men like, and men like PrEP. They do. Uh, it has been proven very effective, especially with our military men coming back from combat situations. They like PrEP. They can understand its rules. It's something to follow that makes a solid difference. But here's the downfall. <laughs> I don't know how to beat around the bush on this, so I'm just going to tell you. Very frequently, softer types of men will be the first when they hear about PrEP and wanting to develop PrEP in the parish or in your area and whatnot. These softer men will be the first in line to volunteer to be a presenter. This really isn't a good idea because men are already skeptical uh, I'll just say it, about a lot of psychologists, about a lot of psychobabble, and about a lot of marital communication programs. And if you put a softer type of man in front of men to teach them how to communicate, it will take them a grand total, oh, it won't even take them three seconds to determine this is not for me, okay? So I know this is very political and correct to even mention this type of thing, but, you know, I want things to work wives want husbands to communicate with them. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to do it in a way that men feel comfortable in participating in the whole experience. So I would think it would be best to recruit more manly instructors. And I don't talk about supermen or macho men, but just Men who have experience in leading other men, like a coach who have uh, led other men or young men in sports, or a business leader or a military leader, 
Enough said. I'll just say this. It's well worth the expense to recruit. You want men and women to be presenters, but you want a man to be leading this, and it's well worth financing them to go get the training in Christian prep. There's various types of prep training. There's Jewish prep training, there's Christian prep training, and there's other types. You want the Christian prep training, get a couple off uh, to be trained and bring this back, offer it in pre-Cana, and then offer it periodically in your parishes and recruit couples to attend, okay? And again, the type of man up there with a woman uh, inviting couples to become a part of this, they will be sized up by the other men in about three seconds or less. So I've already given my politically incorrect uh, exhortation. Uh, You can heed it or forget it, but if you want men and women want men in these programs, follow what I say. All right. I'm going to talk about an entirely different way to strengthen Catholic marriages. And this is what I would call the golden opportunity to strengthen Catholic marriages. Guess what that would be? Well, you're done guessing? It's homilies. Think of it. What other opportunity in our entire nation does someone have to gather tens of thousands, and I don't know how many go to Mass, millions on a particular day of the week to hear uninterrupted for 15 or 20 minutes a message. Now, Peter Jennings gets on TV every night, but he's interrupted every four or five minutes with a drug ad. You're talking about an uninterrupted opportunity to communicate something that makes a vital difference. And if Pope Francis, if Pope Benedict, St. John Paul II, and who knows how many other popes are exhorting us that the need in the modern world is to, is to help and strengthen marriages, well, homilies are a golden opportunity. Now, I don't I like to make priest jobs easier, not harder or more complicated. And I've been a pastor myself as when I was a Protestant, and I know sometimes everybody has all kinds of ideas for things for you to do and you're already kind of stretched. So I'm going to make it real easy. First of all, there's a once a month homily strategy. And a once a month homily strategy is for priests once a month to make it a point to have at least one point in their homily about marriage or something practical to help marriages. And I'm not talking about once a month having a whole homily about marriage, but I'm saying maybe in the course of a homily to spend, how about two minutes just making a point about marriage? And it can be an application of something else might be talking about. Let's, uh, let's give an example. Let's say it's Lent. And by the way, any example that, <laughs> that I'm going to give, anything that you do once a month, it's fine to repeat. In fact, I would encourage repetition because 
the ingredients for making a lasting marriage, you know, it's not a complicated list of a hundred things. It's doing a few things consistently. And a good coach, a winning coach, a championship coach will always emphasize the fundamentals. And so to reemphasize something that helps marriage on your once a month point, and I'm again, let's give an example. We're here in Lent and you're encouraging as a priest your people to take advantage of confession during Lent, which I imagine most parishes would do. Now, you could say something after you've gotten done with just encouraging folks in some way or another to come to confession during Lent and a particular scripture reading, emphasizing the mercy of God would be a great Sunday to do this. Once you've done that, then just take two minutes and say something like, you know, once you've received a fresh outpouring of grace and forgiveness in confession, why not just for a moment or two extend that same forgiveness to your spouse and not only wipe the slates clean between you and God, but get forgiveness in the middle of your marriage as well and have this renewal, not only your relationship with God, but your relationship with your spouse. And you can say something like, you know, taking this simple step, you are making one of the most important and concrete steps in building a lasting, loving marriage. Two minutes, once a month. Now, this might sound a horrible way to remember how to do this, but I'm just sharing you how I remember important duty in my house is to take care of our dog, Wendy. I have to give her her heartworm medicine and her flea medicine once a month. And rather than trying to remember all month, when did I last do it, I bought a real cheap calendar that I keep in a particular place. And when she gets her heartworm medicine and when she gets her flea medicine, I just check that off in the calendar and I've taken care of that month. And I would encourage priests, have your little cheap calendar. I'm talking about the ones you can buy for $1.99 and it has a monthly calendar just for your once a month point. I'm not talking about a whole homily, just an application even of a point in a homily and check that off once a month. You'll be doing such great good for marriage. Okay. Now this one, and uh, you know, I have sympathy for priests. I mean, I see priests alone with huge parishes, and I'm just thinking back as a pastor, ay, 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 this is, what a challenge this is. So uh, I am not one quick, uh, given my background as having been a Protestant pastor, just, yeah, oh, load up, do this, do this. No, I'm talking about things that are really essential. Uh, I don't ask you to do everything because a lot of lay folks can do a lot of the work with marriages and family life, but for homilies, you're, you're the man. And so in addition to the once a month point, I'm going to ask from the depths of my heart for a once a year to hit just a handful of topics. And I'm not going to beat around the bush. These are tough, tough, tough topics to talk about in today's world. And maybe a lot of your fellow priests aren't even going to be talking about them. But if you have a heart to help marriages, I'm asking that once a year, 
you talk on the following few topics. Okay. Well, first, this first one actually isn't tough. It's it, it's very very positive, but tell couples there are ups and downs in marriage, and there are usually times for, during the first decade of marriage, particularly starting within the five to seven year time frame, but it can be anywhere in the first decade, that there's some real serious down points. You need to encourage them to stick with it. You need to encourage them to ask Christ for strength at that point. And in my book, Legacy, I'm not going to get into it all in the broadcast, but on page 33 of my book, Legacy, I have the statistics. I have it backed up with the footnotes that if they'll just hang in there for five years, the very unhappy marriages, about 78 to 80 percent, become self-described as very happy. Now, this is one that once a year, and they'll say, oh, here he goes again. That's right. You go right at it again because couples need to hear this. If you're in the, quote, valley of despair for your own marriage, you need to hear this and to repeat it once a year. Okay? Second topic, once a year topic, birth control and natural family planning. Uh, I'm not sure who it was. It might have been Cardinal Dolan mentioned that through all this uh, Obamacare contraceptive mandates and everything that, you know, priests haven't been talking enough, in fact, been nearly silent on this for 40 years. And this is a tough one to talk about, but birth control creates such profound selfishness in the very heart of a marriage. In fact, in the very act of the marital embrace, God has designed to increase marital love. But when there's a holding back of part of self, which is what birth control entails, that procreative part of self and seeking only the pleasure, that thing which was designed to build charity, to build love in marriage, becomes selfishness and becomes destructive at the very heart of a marriage. And so once a year, it's important not just to mention that it's wrong, but why it's so harmful to marriages. And Jim Burnham and I spent quite a bit of time in Christian fatherhood in chapter 10. Actually, even though it was the last chapter, we felt it was the most important because we talked about birth control. But be aware that long before that, uh, in an earlier chapter, we talked about marriage and how destructive selfishness in marriage was. We're being not sneaky, but we were we were planting a foundation that we could later come back to because a lot of times people kind of clam up when you talk about this. So if they know selfishness is destructive to marriage, then you can show how birth control contributes to selfishness and they already know then how harmful it is to marriages. And you have to give them reasons why, not just I mean, people today kind of need reasons, okay? Number three, again, this is just once a year, but, you know, these things need to be talked about if you want to save the Catholic family and Catholic marriages, and that's pornography. It's a plague. It's widespread. It's gone to tens of millions of Catholic homes, and like birth control, it's time to break the silence because there's a lot suffering, and I have found, I have a little booklet called Breaking Free and now a new one entitled Young Men Breaking Free. 
I designed that basically as a spark to help men turn from pornography and see how destructive it was to their families. And I'm just kind of surprised that for some men, that's all they needed to get off pornography. And I was, I was not expecting that. And you could have one homily a year, and you can dare say a very large percentage of the men in your parish are having trouble with pornography, and your once-a-year homily may be just the spark, and even more than a spark, that they need to get the help they need, to get to confession, start availing themselves as the means of grace, and bottom line, shutting down the pornography. Because believe me, it's going on left and right. And this is where, as a priest too, you need to say, you need to come back to confession. As long as you have this problem, you come. You're not going to wear me out. <laughs> Invite them back because a, a lot of men and young men are so shamed by pornography, they've quit going to confession because of this. So not only do we say it's wrong, but we also need to accompany that with just that message of Christ's forgiveness is there and join me in confession and we're going to tackle this thing together once a year. And again, if you end on that note of the mercy of God, it's, it's, um, it's just a way to do it and, and to get your people with you. Uh, lastly, once a year, and this could be a whole broadcast, but I'll just mention it, it'd be very wise to mention safety guidelines for social media. It used to be workplace romances were dangerous for marriages and business travel were dangerous for marriages, and now we have what I call social media imprudence, and we need to talk about how to handle social media. And if you're married, offer your spouse the password to your Facebook account and other social media accounts would be a great step. That would take 30 seconds in a homily once a year, but I would certainly do it. You've been listening to episode 47 of Faith and Family, How to Strengthen Catholic Marriages. Visit us on the web at dads.org or familylifecenter.net. Until next time, this is Steve Wood asking you to remember the words of St. John Paul II. The future of the world and of the church passes through the family. God bless you. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.